namo tassa bhagavato <coughs> arahato samma sambuddhasa buddhantamang sankhang namasami So I'd like to start today's evening talk with a, another poem. And uh, tonight it's going to be Vijaya or Victor. This is one of my favorite poems from this book, or maybe their favorite one. When everyone else was meditating, I'd be outside circling the hall. Finally, I went to confess, I'm hopeless, I said. The elder nun smiled. Just keep going, she said. Nothing stays in orbit forever. <laughs> if this circling is all you have, why not make this circling your home? <clears throat> I did as she told me and went on circling the hall. If you find yourself partly in and partly out, if you find yourself drawn to this path and also drawing away, I can assure you, you are in good company. Just keep going. Sometimes the most direct path isn't a straight line. And... Uh, I think many of us, at least myself, you know, when I, for the first time, uh, had an idea about what the path is all about and felt very, very inspired and, and so on. I you know, had that idea that it w would be a very kind of straightforward, straight line. And meanwhile, you know, being on the path for over 30 years, I noticed it's not like that at all. And I'm glad that I didn't know that from the beginning because I don't know if I would have done it. <laughs> but now I'm already in it. So that, you know, that I spoke about it also a few days ago, the faith, uh, confidence, conviction, which you know, arises when we, for the first time, you know, see something where we feel this has really value for us. This promises something, you know, we really feel very interested in. That faith, or conviction, or sada, you know, when we finally find something, we can turn <clears throat> towards, you know, even, you know, we ha we all we have is just circling the hole, but you know, having a sense of direction makes all of the difference. Even if we go in circles, we have a sense of direction and then our energy has a reference point. And, you know, even there is still an amount of confusion in the mind and, you know, maybe a little chaos energy in the body. If we, you know, have an understanding of the teaching it doesn't really matter. We have a way of kind of uh, working with that turmoil and with the confusion and with the you know, fear and all of the difficult emotions which 
you know, can come up. And, uh, you know, then the energy has a place to go and doesn't need to go into the thinking mind uh, necessarily. Normally, you know, if we don't know what we are doing, the energy goes <clears throat> into the senses and we, you know, eat something or, you know, do something. Or if all of those things, you know, are not working or not, not enough, then we kind of keep on thinking and thinking, obsessively thinking about, you know, the same thing over and over and over again in that kind of hope we're going to be able to think to the end of it. And as you all know, that doesn't really work. So, you know, if we have a sense of direction, even the most, you know, difficult issue, we can kind of get a handle on it and, and then we need to, you know, grapple with it and allow it to, you know, open up and then let us look deeper into it. And what we can see is, you know, that whatever issue we are grappling with, all issues are impermanent, they all are, you know, unsatisfactory, and they are all empty of a self. And, you know, in seeing that is what the whole practice is uh, aiming towards, you know, that's what is liberating, that inside, you know, is cutting through the ten fetters we have been mentioning over the last days. You know, that's, that's in the nutshell what the path is all about. And, and you know, the capacity to stay with it is, is really crucial. Otherwise, that opening up and that uh, revealing, you know, of those three characteristics in action, if that doesn't happen, then there won't be any fruit from the practice. And, uh, you know, in turning the mind towards the body and, you know, giving the, the energy a place where it can start to settle and, you know, where it can start to collect and, and then the process of this revelation, you know, can start to happen. If we hold steady enough, then, you know, samadhi is going to come more or less, you know, depending on, on causes and conditions. And then, you know, the processes start to open up and reveal their true nature to us. And we spoke a lot about, you know, the arising and ceasing and impermanence being, you know, the fundamental insight which liberates the, the mind from ignorance. And how, you know, how kind of uh, extremely simple that sounds. And you know, how it's almost unbelievable that something as simple as that can have such a powerful effect. And, you know, working with the five indriya is a way, you know, to strengthen the mind and to um, cultivate the mind so it's able to see that arising and ceasing to such a degree that it translates into you know, letting go of ignorance or in cutting through the, the fetters. And, uh, <clears throat> you 
you know, and those five Indria, they are controlling and governing faculties of the mind, which protect the mind from overwhelm and at the same time also, you know, give a sense of ease on, on the path. So protecting the mind and giving a sense of ease, a sense of direction, and however you know tough the going gets, if we just remember to bring up mindfulness or awareness, and then you know, through that mindfulness and awareness, being protected from being completely swallowed up by the emotion and or the situation, and you know being able to stand next to it rather than you know disappearing into it and for example you know, when I was mentioning before in this poem uh, you know first uh, Vichaya she felt despair because she thought she, she doesn't know how to meditate she can't meditate the only thing she can do is walking around the hall and then you know <laughs> after speaking with, with uh, her teacher you know, then she, instead of, you know, getting lost in, in her despair about that she can't do what she thinks she should do, then, you know, she's aware of it and, and she keep on just doing what she can do. If she can't sit, then she can at least walk. And then, you know, that starts to be, is this good enough as an object for meditation? It's good enough as a... <coughs> experience which displays the three characteristics because any phenomena you know can display those three characteristics there's nothing is exempt from that so you know how to strengthen the five faculties so that we can really you know get that sensitive that the mind gets so receptive that it can really you know, be so close to experience without falling into it. That's really the art of the practice. And uh, I just want to mention a few points here, you know, how we can strengthen or sharpen the, the faculties. And, you know, and the most important thing is, I think, you know, to really take the practice into our daily lives. To not just, you know, practice on a retreat or... The, you know, if you're sitting maybe, you know, once or twice a day, which is already wonderful, but then also between the sits, that's what is really very important, you know, to carry the practice into the life. And, and you know, and, and looking at our lives, where are we leaking energy? You know, where we are wasting energy? And, you know, a lot of energy is wasted with uh, you know, computers and all of this stuff and, and just trying to, uh, you know, keep a, handle on, uh, keep a handle on that. I think that's really important. And uh, then the precepts, you know, that's also not keeping the five precepts is also like a way to leak a lot of energy which normally you know, could go into the practice. And uh, 
you know, living in a way which is you know, suitable and adequate and kind of simple enough so that our living situation doesn't completely, you know, uses a lot of our resources so that we, you know, we feel like we have to have a certain status of living in order to be, uh, you know, good enough that can, you know, have the, to have the courage to say no to some of the um, programming, you know, we are getting from the media. I think that's also, you know, a good way to conserve energy. And uh, knowing what has worked in the past can also be very helpful. And you know, remembering when you had, you know, good, a good practice or a good experience in a meditation, and trying, you know, to remember what were the causes and conditions, and you know what has worked for us and might work in the future again. And. You know, right effort. What is right effort? Right, right effort is about you know preventing unwholesome, preventing the unwholesome and arousing the wholesome. And it's not necessarily a heroic effort, but it's it's much more like the capacity to sustain, to stay with the practice, not collapsing. I think that's a very good. Uh, way of going about one's practice, just in the way as Vichaya is mentioning, you know, she's just she keeps on doing what she can do with mindfulness, and you know, not having too high, um, you know, ideals of how one should be, because one can't sustain it for a long time. And then, you know, not practicing for two years and then coming back to the practice again and again, like full power for like, uh, you know, half a year or maybe a few retreats and then again collapsing. I mean, if that's the only way we can do it, then at least it's better than not doing anything. But as it's not really um, very effective. And maybe in the beginning, it, you know, that's how we start stop and start, stop and start, but the sustaining of the practice and, you know, to bring it into our lives, I think that's what's really, when the practice takes on strength, when we live, or at least try to live from that place, not just, you know, doing it as a formal thing, but really carrying it into our lives. And I've brought a, a sutta here from the Samyutta Nikaya, you know, which, uh, which is actually pretty heavy, actually, but I thought it's, it's, I'd like to um, read a few lines to you because I find it very um, awesome, in a way, to think in this way. Because, it, you know, it, it, it speaks about the only thing we can take with us when we die is, is the fruit of our actions. And I think we all kind of know that, you know. 
but if we you know if we remember that then that can really help us you know to feel a sense of of urgency and and you know energy just starts to arise if we remember the urgency of the situation which really is that way you know because uh, all of the um, things you know which we which we acquire and which we are you know which are, which are dear to us in this lifetime when we pass away none of that will come with us and we all know that but what really will come with us is the quality of our mind you know which we have been able to cultivate over this lifetime and you know if we really uh, allow that to sink in then uh, it will change you know the way we are approaching the practice i think because it's no longer you know just a, a way of having uh you know more peaceful mind or le- less stress in our lives but it's really a matter of uh, great consequence so i'd like to share this uh, a quote with you from the sutta is called the simile of the mountain and uh, a certain king king pasenari of kosala he goes to visit the buddha and after a day of work and then the buddha says to him the following what do you think great king suppose a trustworthy and reliable man were to come from the east he'd approach you and say please sir you should know this i come from the east there i saw a huge mountain that reached to the clouds and it was coming this way crushing all creatures so then great king do what you must then a second trustworthy and reliable man were to come from the west a third from the north and a fourth from the south he'd approach you and say please sir you should know this i come from the south there i saw a huge mountain that reached the clouds and it was coming this way crushing all creatures so then great king do what you must should such a dire threat arise a terrible loss of human life when human birth is so rare what would you do and then the king answers sir what could i do but practice the teachings practice morality doing skillful and good actions and then the buddha answers to him that's so true great king that's so true when old age and death are advancing what can you do but practice the teachings practice morality doing skillful and good actions that is what the buddha said so you know that's in a nutshell what we can do
you know, in the face of, you know, great chaos, which, uh, you know, which is happening already in, you know, several parts of the world. We have friends, uh, two nuns, you know, who live in a monastery near Sydney. There's huge fires at the moment. And they just had to evacuate a few days ago. And it's a, it's a forest monastery. In the bush there, I, I was there in '94, so a very long time ago, and uh, yeah, it might be the last uh, days of that place. And you know, fires are coming from all sides. So, and you know, whatever is happening, even the most threatening. Things like those, you know, those big mountains coming from all sides, crushing everything in, in their way. We still can practice the teachings. And we are still, you know, the owners of our actions. And whatever we do, that's what comes with us. You know, in a way that is Quite wonderful, you know, because whatever is happening, the most terrible thing and the most wonderful thing, the practice is always the same. And and the practice is, is saying to us, you know, don't give up, but wake up. You know, because we need to come to terms with, with the limitations of our situation, you know, in terms of old age, sickness and death and, you know, impermanence, climate change and, you know, all other things which are happening in our lives which we can do something about it but, You know, it's always like an arranging of the deck chairs on the Titanic, really. And uh, it, I think it's really important to do what we can, and but at the same time also seeing, you know, the the truth of uh, those, you know, mountains, you know, rolling in from all sides, because whatever we do, you know, in the end we will die. We might die later, but we will die. And I think, you know, seeing, seeing that big picture gives a sense of, of uh, peace, really, as, you know, as shocking it is on the first, I mean, it hits for the first time, you know, but then if we really sit with that, there is also a peace in that. And I think that's what the, you know, the Buddha wants us to benefit from, you know, allowing that to work, <laughs> reverberate, you know, through our system. And in the beginning, it's going to hit a lot of resistance, and there's be this feeling of, you know, um, dissonance. But then, if if you take that medicine again and again and again, it starts to change, you know. And, and we start to take 
all of that a bit less, less and less personal. And, uh, and then, you know, this is, uh, gives us a sense of um, you know, being really in the middle of life and you know, being in contact with the fragility of it and then at the same time it brings up a sense of a great gratitude you know, to have found a teaching which even you know, if we are kind of confused going in circles we have a way, you know, to look at all of this. And we have a way, you know, to organize our energy as, you know, crazy it sometimes gets. But we have a way to deal with it. And I think, you know, that makes all of the difference. You know, especially in, in, in times like current times, you know, where there is, is so much uh, karma happening, you know, from things we, you know, have set in motion hundreds of years ago, really. You know, even I think, you know, the, the um, human impact on the climate, you know, can be traced back to about 10,000 years, you know, it already started. So it's not like just the last, you know, 20, 30 years, even there, you know, it has gone to a very crazy, uh, um, you know, peak impact. But it, it started 10,000 years ago, simply by, you know, being a, a Stone Age Homo sapiens, uh, Homo sapiens, you know, already we were uh, changing the environment. And I think, you know, it would be so important that we allow ourselves to be changed, you know, by the reality of uh, the way things are. That would be a wonderful response, you know, to all of this. Even, you know, we don't know how it's going to pan out. It's, it's uncertain. There is some, you know, calculations and, and different predictions of what is going to happen, but we really don't know for sure. But I think, you know, in, in the face of all of this, if we could do exactly follow that advice, you know, which... Uh, King Basenadi is, uh, you know, giving us, and the Buddha is uh, confirming that this is the right way to do it. You know, to practice the teaching and to, um, you know, have practice ethics. Those two are always the right response, you know, whatever is happening, climate chaos or not it's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, I'm bringing that into our lives and uh, you know, not adding to the confusion, to the collective confusion. 
even you know if we mightn't be able to turn it around but we can you know try to not add more chaos and more destruction that's something we can do and they're just doing our part you know and trying to evolve the heart and the mind and and contributing that to the collective evolution of life on this planet I think that's a worthwhile endeavor you know for the time we are still alive who knows how long that's going to be and you know sometimes when I feel a little bit despairing about all of this or more than a little bit despairing about all of that and I can't see really sense in it I, I really find that a wonderful way of of thinking about the situation is you know becoming a good compost for evolution <laughs> you know because we have to die anyway but then just you know dying in a way so that we can uh, you know support that whole thing to go into the right direction in our little way you know but if many many people do that it's not going to be that little and I find it a very um, um, consoling uh, you know, way of thinking about it becoming good compost for evolution and uh, because that's something I, I can do this is not too high you know, high-fetched. This is a bit like what Vichaya is doing, you know. She just does what she can do and because, you know, the evolution is also not a straight line. The practice, you know, individual practice, individual evolution as a, as a practitioner, you know, is not a straight line. The process and so is, you know, the evolution of this planet or what's going on in the cosmos we have no idea but it doesn't look like to be a straight line at all there's lots of things happening and some of them you know great chaos and great uh, power and great destruction and then at the same time great beauty and great mystery because it isn't just about us, you know, so that we feel okay in the middle of all of this. We are just like one little, you know, strand of life form. And uh, you know, we don't need to really uh, figure it all out, I think, because we can't anyway. And instead of trying to do that, you know, to to use the, our mind for following you know, those uh, instructions of, uh, for example, the five faculties. That's something not too complex, you know, that's something we can remember even, you know, if we are triggered. And that's really the point, you know, it has to be handy enough, so it has to be portable. 
Because if you can only do it on the cushion, that is not enough. So, you know, we give you this uh, little box with the five faculties to take with you when you go home tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I hope you're going to keep them um, dusted, so to say, you know, and use them frequently. And we'll try the same. So, thank you. That's what I wanted to share with you tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.